0: The Minikom Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet, you get, with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Minicom Show featuring Lenny, only NFO podcast. One of the hosts thinks the Rams would have won if they had worn their bone jerseys. Those off-white ones. I kinda like those. People made fun of them when they came out. Said
1: they man, looked dirty. Man. Yeah, they look a little weird. If you're gonna go white, you got to go Bengals white because those are uh, those are the coldest jerseys, I think. And with Joe Burrow in those jerseys, he looks really cool. Mm. I don't know what kind of hoodie he had on post game, but I was just thinking, like, my confidence level would go up if that was my quarterback, whether he could play or not. was walking like it's this, this, this cool. What your
0: confidence? What what is the sort of formula of your confidence level? Where you see that jersey, but you know that he can't move. Clearly cannot move
1: it don't matter we look fly also i i take the your shirt as a personal affront (laughs) Uh, trying to rub it in my face that um lots of teams can get destroyed in big games
0: Uh, uh, i am for the podcast audience wearing an orange bowl shirt uh, but it's not from the year that dominique played uh 2001 So. Our freshman year,
1: I looked it up because I, I the beating was so bad. We lost 56 to 23. So, Sean Payton, take that.
0: <laughs> um, none of the games were blow, neither of the games were blowouts. Like the Eagles game felt like a blowout, I guess, but we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about both the Monday night games today, as always. Um, and then we're going to take a quick break, come back, and do some winners and woofs from the weekend. Speaking of that 70 point game, I feel like. It must be acknowledged in uh, some context. Uh, but before we do those things, a uh, little bit of housekeeping. I always say housekeeping as the, that's like the, just, I'm going to tell you stuff phrase. <laughs> is there another term for that? I don't know. going to get my ducks in a row here. Yeah, a little I bit like of ducks. administrative work. Um, so this is my last podcast before I take a... Abbreviated leave from podcasting, longer
2: leave. Yay! <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I, some people have asked questions. I guess I guess I should have. I, wow, well, I don't know. I hadn't really figured out exactly. I, I'm going to be gone for not a terribly long time. I'm Going to take a quick break back in November at some point. Um, so please do not unsubscribe. Do not uh, just if you're in line, stay in line. The podcast will come back. Uh, in And it won't be very long, but in the meantime, uh, of course, I would give this recommendation regardless, but especially uh, in the absence of this show, you should check out the Dominique Foxworth show, wherever you get your podcasts. Ooh. Also, the Bill Barnwell podcast, another good friend of mine, friend of the show. who He came on your podcast recently, right?
1: I'll be splitting my my people. They all <laughs> all come to me. I mean, come on over here. You uh, you both. I will give all the Mina updates that you need. Don't
0: do both. Get your Mina updates on the Dominic show. Um, Yeah, no, we'll be back. I'll be back soon. We'll be back. We'll be back soon. But um, yeah, this is last one for a while. This is like the last um, like piece bit of work that I'm doing for a while.
1: We got to end it with a boom. Good energy. A lot of fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It 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 is. uh, I was hoping for better games. They were interesting games. So I feel like both of the games. there were questions about coaching, questions about I think offensive line play might be like the determining factor. and well, I wouldn't say it's the determining factor in both the games necessarily, but it certainly is a very important part of why both of these games turned out the way they did. Let's start with Rams Bengals um, first, though. Uh, so I guess the story of the game was that Joe Burrow did play. He gutted it out. He clearly looked hampered, said after the game to the great Laura Rutledge that he didn't feel worse. So that's good for Bengals fans, but he is obviously not himself. The Bengals offense still isn't what it was at the end of last season. There was one drive where, you know, it kind of looked like things were picking up. Jamar Chase made some incredible plays. He did roll out once, I think, which totally took the Rams by surprise on like a little fake pitch. And then Chase leaked up the sideline. But to me, Dominique, this was really, I mean, in terms of like the the Bengals pulling it out, it was largely about the fact that the Rams had no answer for Trey Hendrickson.
1: Exactly. (laughs) And so like I was furious this morning. What a furious is a stretch, but kind of annoyed this morning because we did the highlight uh, on Get Up and there was not one clip of Trey Hendrickson doing anything. We did the whole highlight. We showed all types of stuff. And I was thinking like, you know who this game was actually about. So I forced his name into the highlights, Good. even though he didn't show any plays. But yeah, that's what it was about. I think um one of the things that I think is more or slightly more interesting than what happened in last night's game. Sorry to move you off the game so quickly, but okay. the calculation for whether to play Joe Burrow or not to play Joe yeah. Burrow is really interesting to me. And I think obviously they got the best of both worlds, is they got a win. And he didn't further aggravate it. And the worst of both worlds is you lose and he hurts it more. And with the season, with NFL seasons being so short, the games being so valuable and that particular position, being so vulnerable and so important, it's just a hard thing. We know Jamar Chase was advocating for him to sit out. It's just uh, impossible calculation to make.
0: He himself kind of said, I wouldn't have played if Owen 3 wasn't on the line. And that I think is to your point about that calculation. um, Yeah. Like I, I don't think they would have won this game with Jake Browning. Uh, There was a point in the, the first half where I was like, God, this is so bad. Could it be worse? And then I remembered, uh, I don't need to make Jake Brown, a Huskies fan, though. It could be worse, guys. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, this Thank is you. not one of those situations where you have like a Gardner Minshew type on the sideline. And I think it's not an offense where you could just plug and play. I mean, the offense would probably look pretty similar, but in terms of execution, it's not like a machine. Like, you know, it's so quarterback-centric. I've spoken about this before, but it looked really bad until like that that drive um, the other thing that, I mean, I don't, he, Joe Bro threw the ball like 50 times, which didn't really make sense to me. This is, th- this is a really, by the way, all four of these games, I was confused by how the, each four of the offensive coordinators approached run pass balance and in different directions, which is kind of funny. But, um, in this one, yeah, I was really surprised on the Bengals side of things, how little they, cause they were running the ball pretty well. With Joe Mixon, who who looks good out there, but they were just asking Joe Burrow to sit back and sling it, which, given the state of things, really surprised me.
1: Yeah, and it's not working either. Yeah, so it's, right. not, it's not only that you're putting that it risk, it's you're not having much success uh, doing it. But I think it's probably hard to break those habits. <laughs> and when you have a player like Joe Burrow, when you feel threatened like they were for large yeah. portions of that game, you're like, you know what we're not going to do is entrust this game to Joe Mixon. No disrespect to Joe Mixon, but we have a guy who we trust, who looks cool in hoodies, let him throw the ball and see what happens. We go down uh, on, on the sword with him or we, or we figure a way out of it.
0: And they really trusted Jamar Chase to, like, come through in, in big moments, whether, you know, I mean, that, yeah. Riddick pointed this out. They were just moving him around everywhere, trying to do anything possible to get the ball in his hands. He was getting yards after the catch on screens. He was catching slants that were, like, two feet behind him. He, this was, like, one of those, like, I'm a number one. I'm going to take yeah. over this game. I'm going to put the offense on my back. I still don't know what the hell is going on with Higgins and Burrow, and, like, it's something it's just seems really off there. Um, but Chase—he took over the game, which, you know, uh-huh. I think there's. It's sometimes it's been like the who's really the number one is. You know, Jamar. I mean, Chase. No, no one's ever.
1: No one's ever said that seriously. I mean, so also, <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, the the best we say is he's a one B. No one's ever yeah. really considered him a true number one, and and the argument is that he could be a number one in someone else's system, which maybe but it's really easy to put up number one numbers if you're really good and you're playing opposite Jamar chase. I don't mean that as a slight, he certainly probably could be a number one in other system, but we know who it is. Uh, Also, uh, you know, I love anytime there's an offensive pass interference call. So shout out to Higgins getting that call for me. Great push off.
0: That was such an egregious push off. Yeah, it was was so bad. Um, I think he's. On a few of those. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a little bit of a pusher. Did he have
1: one in the Super Bowl or did was that Chase that had one in the Super Bowl? So one of them had an offensive pass interference in the Super Bowl and I remember being ecstatic.
0: He's definitely had a few. Was he, did, no, no, it was Boyd that Witherspoon had the. it's It sucks oh, that. I
1: took it from him. That,
0: that That's probably one of the most impressive interceptions I've seen in like the last five years. I don't think that's being hyperbolic and no one will remember because the Rams didn't win and it like didn't lead to anything. Which is such a shame because that's one of the coolest. Uh, you guys should go seriously look it up. A killer Witherspoon, who's one of the Rams' cornerbacks. It was it was Boyd, I think, right? He just took
1: yep, it was Boyd took,
0: took the ball. He dive it, it, while diving, took the ball out of w- his hands, corralled it, and it was like an on-target tight window throw. Corralled it with one hand and came down with it. It was an unbelievable interception, um, and one of the few highlights for like a Rams team that. You know, week one, Matthew Stafford looked amazing. Uh, And then, you know, and we sort of caused some of us, me, to question whether or not they were better than I thought. Oh, this offense can roll with anyone. I guess I don't want to make too much of the offensive struggles because it was this was like it was so obviously on the offensive line. Like it was just a non-functional offense. They went one for 11 on third down one for four in the red zone. Stafford threw two picks, one which I think was like a miscommunication, one which was just him trying to sidearm it stupidly. Um, McVeigh was asked about why they didn't run the ball more, and he he did allude to like some of those being RPOs, which, I, which is an amazing coach cop-out, by the way, about mm-hmm. the video he asked about that. Year. Well, it's true. It's true. It's not a cop-out. But um, I, I'm not sure there's much they could have done because... As we said at the beginning, this was about the left tackle left the game, Alaric Jackson, and the dude they put in for him, Zach Thomas, had no chance. McVeigh, you could criticize it for not giving him help or coming up with, yeah. and running away from him. I don't know, but it was just total non-functional offense after that.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things that you and I, uh, well, I guess to speak for myself, uh, we analyze and watch this stuff so much and we get away from the fundamentals of football and sometimes forget that... Uh, Nothing works on offense if you can't like protect and sitting next to Jeff Saturday every Tuesday is an annoying reminder of how important um the big stinky uh offenses linemen are so yeah at least being bored like functional your offense to be functional all your fancy designs all your great sidearm throws none of that matters if uh we can't protect you
0: yeah that was pretty much the story of the game on that side of the ball um yep yeah, so moving forward from this I do think it was a pretty important win for the Bengals. And I mean, to me, just the trajectory this season is just going to be is Burrow going to get better on a week to week basis? Um, you know, I think, you know, we mentioned Hendrickson. I thought, uh, obviously, Logan Wilson had the pick. He's been very good for them. Dax Hill was flying around oh, making monster. plays. Yeah. So, so th- th- this, you know, I thought in the second half, too, I shout out to Big Lou for dialing up some diabolical, I mean, <laughs> diabolical blitzes. Uh, and and just drawing a circle around that poor left tackle. Okay. Uh, Bucks, Eagles, Eagles-Bucks. It was in Tampa. Um, let's start here. Eagles win pretty easily, soundly. I want to start with the Eagles offense. Do you feel better about them?
1: Uh, a little bit. I mean, I feel a little bit better because at least we got the big plays, the um, off-schedule plays. They don't seem consistent or or to have a like functional consistent passing game
2: they yeah. ran the hell
1: out of the ball the old line was dominant uh Jalen Hurts could stay in the pocket forever and again it seems like the foundation of a good team offensively is offensive line play they have offensive line play they have talent they have on the edges they have a track record of the success we even saw Jalen Hurts making up stuff when the offense wasn't working this wasn't what it's was supposed to look like. It hasn't looked like what it used to look like yet this year. But it's really hard for me to imagine that they're never going to get back to that yeah. and say that losing the offensive coordinator is is that important. Like I, I understand that it matters, but it can't be that. Important.
0: I think okay. So the run game is was unbelievably dominant, and and, and by the way, it should be noted dominant against a good. Bucks run defense. Like this wasn't them running all over Minnesota. This was them running on a Tampa defense that has been pretty solid against the run for some time now. um And you know, I mean, not just running. <laughs> I mean, I I I reposted that someone, I think Josh Norris had a picture of one of DeAndre Swift's rushing lanes. And it asked how many yards could you get, and looking at it, I was like three. I actually (laughs) think I could get
1: three yards. Yeah, it Um, was just
0: just insane what they're able to do on the ground. But uh, to your point, you know, uh, through the air, it still doesn't look quite right. I think um, watching them, there's a there's there's a few things that kind of jump out. But then this one, what really struck me was. You know, I couldn't help but think back to Hertz. Hertz has struggled against Tampa, notably in the wild card game before last year. He really struggled with what with the blitz. This game, Bulls blitzed him a lot, as he does. Sixty-three percent of dropbacks, which would be insanely high if not coming off of the eighty percent Justin Herbert blitz rate, which I'll get to, or the Daniel Jones getting like this is a real blitzy, blitz happy season, but. Uh, against the blitz he had a passer rating of 40 and a negative 9.3% completion percentage over expectation and i think that's what where i still don't feel like everything is quite right um he doesn't he 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 looks uncomfortable under pressure not just the blitz in a way that is a little bit reminiscent of the season prior to last as you mentioned when he is kept clean he looks like i mean the play to the second throw to Zacchaeus on the drive, oh, where he had the he had the one play, which was under pressure. To his credit, he rolled out, yeah. and made this amazing play. The second one, he was just like <laughs> bouncing back there, like uh, you know, like like one of those video game characters when you're waiting to choose them. And then it was a beautiful throw, beautiful, layered it over the defender, just pearl dropping the bucket. But yeah, it it, it feels like okay, he's there's something still a little bit off with him in terms of how he is dealing with pressure right now and it'll be curious to see how different defenses approach that
1: yeah dealing with pressure and dealing with the blitz obviously are two different things um dealing with the blitz i would say is if we're looking for an explanation that's where coaching might matter Uh, we have no reason to believe well i mean we have every reason to believe that jalen hurts is incredibly coachable and incredibly smart in football if you give him answers I find it hard to believe, and this is without doing specific blitz study. So I could be completely wrong. It could be Jalen Hurts' mistakes. But if you give Jalen Hurts answers, I don't imagine that he is not going to make those decisions. So again, this is without doing the study that would be required to point fingers one way or the other. But I would guess that if we're looking for a place where a coordinator could be missed, it's mm. it's um, constructing answers easy to understand and easy to execute answers when you see the blitz
0: i feel like the rpo game the pass aspect of it isn't rolling the way it was last year something interesting and i think aikman pointed this out was the um bucks linebackers were playing the pass so i think there were certain plays where you know you just you're I, i think that and that might be something that continues throughout the season. Like the the linebackers were playing with such depth too. This was also on like a couple of um, at least one play action pass. Uh, Devin White was just like, nah, I'm taking away this this window, and so the, the Eagles ran right through it. You know, which is again like it might. I think, and I bring that up to say, Dominic, to your point too about like do this do they have answers versus the Blitz? And I bring up the pass aspect of the RPO game. I think when we sit back, we might see that now that it's necessarily like that they're, they're making the right decision to switch to run heavy. Game. Frankly, they should have ran the ball even more in this game. And like it, it, it maybe it, it be, it's a little bit uh, fussy to worry so much about the pass game when they're getting like 15 yards per carry on the ground. And some <laughs> yeah, of that has to do yeah. with defensive structure and who they're playing and the defense is working and the their defenses are giving them the run and whatever. So yeah. Uh, you know, I'm yeah. trying not to like be. It's,
1: and they got three wins. It's too early to be that concerned well. about them. But yeah, plus the it's,
0: defense looks good, by the way. Yeah, I've been really yeah. impressed by, um, you know, because they've been undermanned. They've had injuries, particularly in the back end, and I think they've held up pretty damn well. I mean, I do think this Bucks offense was probably a little bit of fool's gold coming into this. Talk about that in a second. But like, I you know, the defensive line looks great. Jalen Carter looks unreal. Uh, the run defense looks much better, and know they haven't exactly played a murderer's row of rushing attacks but it still looks good which was of course a huge problem last year so i don't know they look they look pretty balanced to me thus far
1: Jalen carter man <sighs> yeah he's he's a foundational piece and he could be one of the best defensive tackles in football, if not the best defensive he probably already is one of the best defensive tackles in football could be the best defensive tackle in football in a few years and they got him late in the draft
0: What he did in this game with the forced fumble where he got penetration, flipped his hips, and then chased down the ball carrier, that to me was like in a nutshell why he was such a crazy prospect. It's the movement skills at his size that don't really make sense. Um,
1: And then the presence of mind for a rookie to go straight for the punch and accurately nail the punch like uh, most guys – I think if they're retracing D linemen are big, normally can't retrace with that type of speed. They're retracing, they're retracing to make a tackle. They're not retracing with like a a cornerback's mindset or a safety's mindset where I'm going to punch for the ball. Yeah. He's special.
0: One thing I do want to note about the bucks, um, you know, Baker was a bit light on some throws, had some misses, had some okay throws. I think Evans bears some responsibility The drop in the end zone. You should have caught that though he made like an insane catch over the middle of the field, um, but I think the for me just summing up the problems with the Bucks offense, it just feels like we're in year three now of just having one of the worst early down run games in the NFL, and they cannot do it. They it is. I felt so bad for like imagine being Rashad White in that game and you're watching the eagles you're watching deandre swift on the other side running through these like wide open lanes and and you're just watching him in absolute hell the safety you're just you're just like i don't know it's like i drove a an old caravan in high school and i remember like when i would pull in and kids would pull next to me and like their new like suvs and stuff and i was just like damn this life's so unfair. <laughs> I feel like that's <laughs> what Richshot white felt like. Um, but it is but the, the thing that's so frustrating is despite that, they still do it. I mean, they uh, so I, according to rbsdm.com, uh, the Bucks had a success rate of 25% running on early downs, negative point four two EPA per play, and yet they still had a pretty 50 50 balance. Running versus passing on early downs. Uh, The so far this season, they rank uh, seventh lowest in pass rates on early downs. Despite this, that's lower than the Titans. So I, I just I feel like as a Bucks fan, you just have to be in absolute hell watching this team now year after year after year just bang their head against the wall. And I know there's like stuff that's happened with the offensive line, obviously, with retirements and departures and all that and injuries that is out of the that is the largely the reason why this happened. But it's gotta be so frustrating, Dominique.
1: But I mean, don't all like coaches say, well, even it's not working, you gotta stick to the run. You gotta commit to it. <laughs> I don't you, know. Yeah, if you're that, the
0: Eagles, you should.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it's bad. Yeah. It's bad and it's frustrating and you can't have eras there was you mentioned the drop touchdown in the end zone there's another dropped uh third down conversion before that one by mike evans uh you those are the players that you have to have because you're not going to get a bunch of chances and when you have top players you need them to make those plays in those moments it may not have made a difference but baker's not great he so if he's going to get you the ball in a advantageous position you're going to have to catch it um and yeah that the running attack. Like there's no answer. I don't I don't know. It's been bad for a while. Maybe just some teams just their jerseys just don't work with running the ball.
0: I should also mention they part of the reason the Eagles they were able to move it through the air a little bit or a decent amount as the game went on. They lost Jamel Dean. This is a very banged up secondary. They hmm? still have really good players, but they're just banged up. It's it's rough out there. So in any case, the um favorites both won, I think. Uh probably the biggest for Cincinnati given what they have to overcome this season. We'll see, you know, that, that like I said, that really it really comes down to Burrow for me. And Eagles not panicking. Yeah. I mean the the, the three and O's This is, you know, let's take a chill pill. All right. When we come back, uh Dominique and I are gonna pick our winners and woofs this weekend. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace, all this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OmahaFULL, and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great! keep those winnings but if you lose you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet 21 and older only offer valid and must be physically present in arizona colorado illinois indiana iowa kansas louisiana massachusetts maryland michigan new jersey new york ohio pennsylvania tennessee virginia west virginia and wyoming only new users and first ten dollar plus wagers only must register with an eligible promo code bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss maximum bonus bet twelve hundred fifty dollars bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles see caesars.com Slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1 800 next step. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call one 800 522 4700 Indiana, call one 800 9 with it. Iowa, call one 800 bets off. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-stop. licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call one 800 327 5050 or visit GamblingHelplineMA.org. Michigan, call one 800 270 7117 Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 gambler it's 1-800-426-2537 or in west virginia visit 1-800-gambler.net
2: this show is sponsored by better help we all carry around different stressors i do you do we all do big small and when we keep them bottled up as i sometimes have had happen in the past it can start to affect us negatively therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down it's helpful for learning positive coping skills get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. This
0: podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience, recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, we are back for one final Winners and whoops! before we break. I feel like I sound like um, like a senior, like the last week of high school, the way I'm talking. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be that long. Uh, I don't know why I made, that was so dramatic of me. One last Winners and This isn't the last. It's just... um. It's just going to be a second, but uh, I figured I had uh, had to. It's not like it's an obligation, but we do need to give one of these awards to the Miami Dolphins. But I wanted to be a little bit more specific. Um, My winner of the week is not just the Dolphins offense, which, of course, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that they put up a 70 burger on Denver. No, specifically, I wanted to give a shout to the Miami run game, uh, which... Was the question mark coming into this season? Uh, last year, despite the fact that Mike McDaniel was the run game coordinator in San Francisco, that was his expertise, uh, they were just kind of average. They were average. The NFL average uh, in terms of rushing EPA per play was .03. Miami was 15th at .03 last season. So far this year uh they are averaging .25 EPA per play on the ground which i'm pretty confident would shatter records if it held up it's obviously just been 3 weeks so i don't want to be too over to uh <laughs> over the top about it but but when you watch it um it uh it seems very sustainable for reasons that are not too dissimilar from the passing game uh, in in terms of this, the combination of play design, pre stat motion, speed, um, I don't know how you stop it. It's yeah. a nightmare. And this was in the Denver game. This is th- that was kind of like my biggest takeaway was watching both Raheem Mostert and Devon Devon at Achan. That's what he's going by now. Yeah. Uh, just absolutely ripped them up on the ground. It was astounding.
1: It was fun. Um, I think the run game was impressive. You pointed out um, generally how the schemes are effective. I watched all the running plays and saw a couple that jumped out to me. That kind of double end around sort of thing where it was like it was an end around to a chain and uh, Berrios originally runs it. uh, And that the design behind that was incredible in part because they created matchups that were advantageous for them. So the offensive lineman kind of treated it like a screen pass and that they held their blocks for a second on the D lineman and then pushed them through. And then they climbed up to the linebackers. And honestly, they climbed to the secondary because what they were doing was given uh, Devin HN a running start. Am I doing it right? I know it was Achen I, I, every time year. you
0: say it. I'm like, I'm second guessing it. It's,
1: it's A-Chan D- last year,
0: Devon, it's
1: not, right? It, Devon, yeah, it's Devon a Okay, Devon A-Chan. Um, like,
0: like 4-Chan, which
1: is how many touchdowns go. he
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> Well done. Um, That's the only thing that 4-Chan is. <laughs> and also... Not a good
2: running,
1: Not at all. Not at all. So they're letting the D lineman through while Devon a yeah. has a running start. So essentially, they're like, all right, yeah. hey, are you guys fast enough to catch this guy who runs 4-3? And then they're letting their linemen get up on yeah. safeties and corners and saying, okay, are you guys strong enough to fight through these blocks and creating that matchup? I don't know if that's how they thought of it, but it looked exactly like a screen play would work And a screenplay, in its best scenario. That's how it works is you use the aggressiveness of the D line against them and you get your size up on the secondary. And it was just a beautifully designed play and then ran run um, effectively also.
0: They are currently using motion on 82% of their runs. No team, at least since we've got the tracking in True Media, which has been for about six years, has ever cleared 80% in a year. Um, it's funny to go back to the first year. The highest was the Niners, which is 65%. And, and, and it's up everywhere. I'll, every team's using it more often. But when you watch them, um, I think to your point there... It's always purposeful. You can always... One of my favorite things watching a Miami run play, or just Miami play in general, but like a, a run play is watching the pre-snap motion and then it's almost kind of like, okay, what is this supposed to do here? Right. Is it supposed to give a guy a head start off in the case, set up a block, set up a mismatch, move a linebacker one step in the wrong direction? Usually the, pr- the function is to do multiple things um and it it's um really remarkable i mean it's I, I i don't everything the execution as you just again is always very spot on it feels like everyone knows what they're doing and why in the offense but the it really is the purposefulness of the motion i mean there was god there was a another end around where uh one of the wide receiver. He name keeps me who was in motion <laughs> as the lead walker. I can't remember. Barrios or Craycraft. I mean, Craycraft, yeah. yeah, right. I don't know. Uh,
1: exactly. To- it's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, it's, it's, what, it's what the Broncos defense was thinking the entire game.
0: I don't know what you do. Honestly, Dominique, I really don't know what you do to stop. Because ultimately... The net effect of all of this is it just creates an extraordinary amount of space. Right. This is why that, you, everyone just was, has so much space.
1: If I was asked to simplify their strategy or their scheme, that's what it's not just the space, but it's we're going to get these incredibly fast players the ball and they're not the, the schemes don't like break a defense necessarily to where you got a guy running wide open. The schemes are about getting the ball to our guys in space. If we get it to our guys in space 10 times, you're not going to tackle them every time. And if you miss that tackle, it's a touchdown. And if it works three times in a game, we're probably going to win. If it works 10 times in a game, we're going to score 70 points and call off the dogs.
0: And it's not that crazy, too. It it There's a lot of the concepts do look like San Francisco. Um in terms of the zone run game, what they do with the tight ends, but then it's kind of layering one more piece on top of that, usually like one more guy in motion or faking a motion or doing a reverse or whatever. And then everybody's faster than they were. I mean, I guess moster was in San Francisco literally, but it's it's not just moster. It's like what if everyone on the field was also as fast as moster? um, and I think it, to me more than maybe we always talk about how like football really is about like numbers, matchups and angles. And I think the dolphins offense lays bare how true that is because ultimately it results in guys who appear wide open or in the run game, they have so much space and you're like, how the fuck, how did that happen yeah. as a fan? it really is numbers, matchups and angles on every play and a combination of a coaching staff that is putting incredibly fast players in a position to manipulate all three of those things. And then they're executing it.
1: There you go. Now I was waiting. I was going to say one more word I would put in there, but it's not a separate category. It kind of the overarching category for all those things It's execution. And I think about that in the motion because by putting the motion in there, even if it's not giving you an advantage, it's adding an extra variable that you're not going to mess up but it gives them another chance to make a mistake. And defenses, one of the, or some of the better defenses, every defense has a weakness. And by you motioning or shifting or switching the count on either side, you are attacking the defense and asking them to adjust. So certain defenses aren't good at, at versus three by one. So we have double calls in some of our defenses where it's like, all right, 46 or 42. Which means if they're in this formation, we'll go forward. They go this one to two. And zone blitzes, especially on third down, motion helps a lot because on third down, zone blitzes essentially is like man coverage, but it's a counting system. So yeah. outside in. Um, I have one, this guy has two. If you're doing a zone blitz with a D lineman dropping out and you motion. His count changes. And you know what D linemen are not accustomed to doing is I'm not going to say counting. That would be insulting, but keeping up with where everybody is positioned. And so by doing that effectively all the time, you're forcing them to practice it. And you're also giving yourself another chance for somebody to make a mistake.
0: And they've added this new this is more about the pass game than the run game. This twist where with the motions, which do all the things Dominique said in terms of changing counts for defenders, you know they don't have to bring guys all the way across the field anymore this year they're they're doing it to get the head start and the angles and the leverage all the stuff we're talking about on the same side of the field at times yeah. so it it's really 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 hard to stop one more thing about the execution actually i want to that i want to get at um we talk a lot about the uh the players in motion the ball carriers the quarterback I, the other thing I felt watching this particular game against Denver is I was really impressed by the offensive line as they were moving and pulling and um blocking in space because you know that, that's a group that I've criticized a lot I've expressed concerns about and their job is very different from other offensive lines in the NFL when your quarterback throws the ball in two seconds that's you're you're just not you know asked to do stuff on a lot of plays but on the run plays in particular which is kind of highlighting here um, they are executing really well like and I think they do have um, the necessary athleticism to pull a lot of this off which is not something I think I thought about or or had considered certainly not last year but coming into this season I was thinking I was like so where can they protect Tua and whatever but I didn't think about oh this might be a really good run blocking offensive line for what Mike McDaniel wants to do in the run game. And I was really, I mean, Armstead was a beast in this game, but like I was really impressed by the movement of some of these uh, pullers.
1: I'm going to miss talking to you. Maybe I'll just call you and we'll talk football because whatever it is about is something that you and I both recognize, whatever it is about when we talk the way that our football brains work, I like stumble upon different thoughts than I would have had I been talking to anybody else or studying this stuff myself. But it's first time I kind of considered the idea, which like we know to be true that like, constraints on what you're what you need to do will lead to often more creativity so like people think that give me a blank sheet of paper and I'll be it'll allow me to Mm. be creative when in actuality would the most creative things come up from someone saying well this is all you have to work with yeah and I hadn't considered this until now coming into this season the constraint on this offense was we can't get our quarterback touched and that's forced them to think yeah. of things that will allow them to play in a way that keeps him safe. And I think that's part of this. Mike McDaniel did not wake up uh 10 years ago and say, you know what the key to offense is? It like he's he's kind of a two-second time
0: to throw. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He's kind of been forced well, to figure it out because of the the injuries to Tua.
0: That's the to go back to the short motion thing, that's it, it's such a solve. Right. For it, it's a solve for what um uh, like the chargers did last year in terms of pressing them and, and whatnot and the way mm-hmm. they were adjusting to their fast motion. But it's also like it's like, okay, we know if let, it's like a math problem. Like you know you have a quarterback who is deadly accurate, throws with anticipation, it's great eyes, but you really can't get he you don't want him holding on to the football more than two and a half seconds. So it's, it's like if a train is coming at like 45 right. miles an hour, you know. Exactly. And he came up, he's like, okay, great. Uh, Tyreek Hill is the fastest human in the NFL. So I'm not going to bring him all the way across the formation. I'm just going to bring him like, you know, five feet or whatever. Yeah. And then the Give ball can a- come out super freaking fast and it doesn't matter because that's all he needs.
1: Give him motion, a head start to get his speed going so he can yeah, get to bit, the depth. Yeah. Yeah. He can get to the depth of the route more quickly. Yeah, it's, yeah. And what? I think that, I, I think it's a result of the constraints placed on this offense because of the Tua injury. So like and it's I, not the, yeah. uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no.
0: Yeah. No, no. Keep
1: going. That's it. I just it's, it's not to say that all this other stuff doesn't matter. But I do think that the special thing about this offense is combining their depth of target with the time that they uh, that it takes them to throw the ball. Like it's an impossible thing and a formula that no one would ever consider prior to this. I would think until now, like we need to we need to get this done. Let's figure out how we can get this done.
0: And just to kind of put a bow on it. The fact that they're running the ball so well, for all the reasons that we've been describing, you know, the, the 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 trickery and the talent and whatever, it matters so much because let's say you run into a defense that that does come up with good solvent coverage. I mean, the Patriots did a pretty freaking good job, honestly, all yeah. things considered, <laughs> second yeah. half. But, but, you know, we'll see what happens against Buffalo. It's going to be a great game. Let's say you do. I don't know how you stop both. The Dolphins use more 21 personnel than they team in the NFL. They, they're fullbacks on the field a lot, right? Allie Engold. Um, This year, <laughs> the second most is the San Francisco 49 This year, when they're in 21 personnel, they have faced eight-man boxes 11% of the time. <laughs> like defenses it's are absurd. like, it's crazy. It's absurd. Uh, to put that at like the Niners. I think last year it was like thirty percent. You know, like if, most of the time, if an offense comes out with two running backs or running back and a field a fullback, you're gonna stop. They're trying to stop the run. You're gonna put big bodies on the field. Defenses are terrified to do that. They were terrified last year to do that against Miami. If you can run the ball at six and a half yards per clip, which is what they're running out of twenty one versus, and you're not facing stacked boxes, there's no good answer because what you're facing now is not just an explosive offense like they were last year, and this is where I think they're different this year, a balanced offense that has a number of different answers for different things that defenses can do. It's a nightmare.
1: And it's not only putting big bodies out there. It's also, you mentioned this, but you didn't say it specifically where it's about putting the bodies in the box. So if you are concerned about big plays, you're going to put smaller bodies. Even if you do load up the box, you're going to have to have somebody out there that can run with these guys. And even if they can run with them, they're going to try to find a way to get you isolated with them. And all you got to do is miss one tackle. And it's, uh, yeah, so as long as their defense can hold up, it feels like it's only a matter of time until they're going to score, especially given Tua's accuracy. He feels perfectly suited for this offense, too. Like, we talk about this all the time about how you want to build an offense around your quarterback. There's no quarterback in the NFL that does not have some skill. And it just so happens that the skills that he has are perfectly suited for what they want to do.
0: I was just talking to this about talking to Kevin Clark about this. Like, you know, it, it this feels like a perfect storm of play caller talent quarterback and I was like, what if you had like a quarterback like, I don't know, Fields or something in this offense where like they didn't have a quick release, but they could extend. Maybe they had a big arm. It wouldn't work the way it does. Maybe it'd be cool. There'd be some stuff happening. I mean, I'm not going to say this offense would be worse with Patrick Mahomes <laughs> back there. Yeah. But it, it really is the what we are seeing right now is a a play caller who understands his talent at quarterback and every and on the offensive line even to our point. So fascinating. I'm very curious. Maybe by the time I'm back, somebody will have solved them, but I don't know, man. I think the only way you can solve them is just score a bunch of points and try to keep up. Maybe Buffalo might be able to do
1: that. Hope they make some mistakes. They some penalties fumble the ball or whatever, some tip passes like football happens, (laughs) is what you're hoping
0: for. Christian Gonzalez picks off too. You know, just, you
1: know stuff like that.
0: Um. Okay. I'll uh. I'll go first with my wolf. I went with the Minnesota Vikings because at zero three. It does feel like uh. You know, they they lost to the Chargers in the cursed bowl. Um. <laughs> it was. I mean, I. You know, you never want to say seasons over, but it felt like this. That one game was like. You know, this is one of these teams is going to walk out of here. Um with you know trade speculation about their quarterback because the so the woof for me with minnesota not just losing that game and the record obviously you guys can look up how many other three teams go to the playoffs and all that the the, i'm trying to like i I was watching them and thinking like okay what's the future of this team and i think that's where i i was starting to feel bad (laughs) um and i don't and you know like Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison are both really good. And the yep. offense, you know, is fine. But, but defensively, I was watching them and I was watching just Brian Flores just constantly, I mean, just trying to find answers, just throwing every possible kind of blitz created um, at Justin Herbert. And I was like, God, who who are we building around here on defense? Because um, the guys that they drafted in 2022 aren't playing Booth scene. Um. Davenport hasn't been healthy, which has hurt them certainly, and that's a big part of why they're blitzing. But it doesn't. It I I don't know how this like I don't know what the, how this defense can compete honestly yeah. in the moment. I, it, it's I mean I I didn't agree with Flores like at a certain point. I get what you're doing, trying to cause chaos. Although they were blitzing and then they were playing back at the same time because he knew his cornerbacks couldn't cover. So Keenan was like, Cool, I'll take ten yards on every play. That's fun. Yeah. But I don't I don't really know if they have any answers.
1: Um, they don't, and yet they still probably should have won that game. And I think that's what makes it even woofier, is mm. they were the luckiest team last year. And they were They have been unlucky this year. And in this game, they had some fluky plays. Like there's the tip ball interception to end the game. They had uh, a receiver or tight end stripped of a ball to take it away. They had a cornerback with an interception in his hands that bounced off his hands into the end zone for a touchdown. So, like that That is on, yeah, on top of all of this. And while this is happening, Justin Jefferson while he's limping at the end of the game is also balling and Kirk cousins putting up numbers. You found Addison or like a legit number two. Uh, so like that, having that happen while you also are paying for all the luck that you had last year and really having no hope on feeling like you have no hope on defense. Yeah. It's, it's a wolf. It's a bad situation.
0: I think first of all, the luck thing is crazy. Cause I feel like part of me was like, ho Oh, as a nerd, aha, you knew this was gonna happen, but now I'm like, not. Nah, this is too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like there's a regression, and then there's. Yeah. I think they've lost like every fumble. Like it, it's. It feel like the pendulum has swung too far, and now, now I'm actually like, actually they're not as bad as they seem. Because
1: exactly. Which is crazy. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> they um. I think there was That's a. Uh, they stripped Herbert, and it just bounced right to uh, <laughs> right to the Chargers. It's just a bad, and they, they get a stop on fourth down when, uh, uh, what's his name? Staley is going for it, backed up, um, pissing off all the football uh, run-the-ball people, and they're like, yes, we can be the heroes. Nope, we're going to give it back. It just was re-watching that game, knowing what the outcome was going to be. It just was so many unlucky things, but still one play away from winning the game, which almost makes it sting a little bit more. Even
0: Pace Junior looks good. The linebacker. He's...
1: There we go. Yeah, let's build build around that.
0: You just got to make Justin Jefferson happy. Give him the keys to the city. Whatever it takes to keep him around. And I don't know. I don't know what the future looks like. I would. I would. I would consider taking call. I think I. Someone told me. Field told me that Kirk Cousins would be like an eight million dollar cap hit for some. He's he's very tradable contract. Apparently. Nice.
1: Uh, you know who needs to be calling. It's...
0: I don't think Aaron Rodgers would let the Jets do it. You don't think so? Yeah. Because he Maybe wants not. to come back. Not that he's the GM.
1: I mean, isn't he?
0: They got Trevor Simeon now. You okay. know who? Okay, wait, wait. Let's let's play the Kirk Cousins game. Atlanta Falcons. They want, I mean, none of these teams will do it. This is silly. Yeah. I don't know why I'm going to pretend. But the Falcons are a team where...
1: Yeah, they could use. They were. I
0: was gonna do a woof for them because I'm. I'm very frustrated watching their offense right now. All, right.
1: Get there. Who's all your, right. Who's your wolf? Uh, Ravens.
0: Speaking of unlucky.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's they, they're they a injury-prone bunch, and it's not just this group. Like all of Ravens history, it seems like they always are on the far end of the distribution for injuries, particularly to important players. But all that aside, that's potentially an explanation, but it's not a good enough one. You got a home game against a team that's playing their backup quarterback that's not as good as you. Uh, You got it and you have multiple chances to win. You're having a field goal competition when you have possibly the best field goal kicker in history and you still manage to lose that game. That's a big wolf in a division where everyone is going to matter for a team that has high aspirations. And then you compound it with the fact that We're excited. We finally got a glimpse of what the offense is supposed to look like last week. And so we're like, yeah, we're off and running. Then we show up and OBJ is not out there. Bateman's not out there. The offense looks bad. It's not good. It's just it's a wolf for a team that you thought was building towards something Uh, to have this happen at home is terrible.
0: Yeah, I think the question with the Ravens is, like, they're so injured. How much can we attribute to injury? How how much leeway are we giving them for this one? I think defensively, I'm more inclined to um, give them leeway, if that may... I mean, good God, the injury list is insane, by the way. Like, it is... And even in the game, like, oh, oh, Jabo gets hurt. They have OA, Humphrey's out, Williams... I mean, this is bananas. They were using... Hamilton as a blitzer who was amazing. Uh, he was he was really good, but like they, they, it felt like they were you know there was a lot of desperation there, and I thought all things considered, honestly, not a bad job for the defense given how yeah. outland they were. Yeah. Offensively, I think is where you, you're like, okay, like again, major injuries, particularly on the offensive line. I thought in this one, you're like, oh god, like um, Ronnie Stanley the left tackle and Tyler Linderbaum there. Center are hurt, and you talked about the wide receivers, and then they lose Gus Edwards, but but I think that's the one where you're watching them and you're like, mm, but are we I feel like I'm still seeing some of the struggles versus the blitz and some of the issues in the past game that we've seen and, and again the injuries affect that, but you still want it to look better than this. it." It's a tough Lamar performance. It reminded me a little bit of some games last year where, like, there's some good things, there's some bad things. Ultimately, he takes this terrible sack at the end, is you know, moves him out of field goal territory. He bears responsibility for that. But I, you know, it's seeing him struggle. I think with the the blitz in particular is a little bit frustrating. Um,
1: It's it's raining. They the refs missed the pass interference call. All these things are true, but what does not matter is. That they lost, or what? the only thing that matters is that they lost a game that they should win. And I get all the injuries and stuff. And and their expectations, I don't think, have changed. When you are in on a quarterback, it's like you're in your window, I would think. And I don't think uh, their expectations have changed. While I think you can't explain away a lot of the issues with injuries, I still think that this is a game that they
0: this need to win.
1: win at home against Gardner Minshew in overtime. You got to
0: That was a really bad pass interference.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a bad miss. (laughs) Bad miss.
0: I mean, that like that was like should be a tape for what pass interference looks like. He looked him so (laughs) it was so bad in the face mask too. Um, I need. I I don't have a sense of who's coming back exactly when, so I am really reserving freak out mode about the Ravens, but. If if this were the case, they cannot overcome this level of injuries. But I, you know, we'll see who comes back, and I, the linemen in particular, I think, need to get back soon. That would help a great deal. Um, I like your winner a lot, so I want to just move to that and wrap up here on a positive note because this has been kind of one of my favorite stories early in the season. So,
1: Houston Texans, congratulations, D'Amico Ryan's on your first win, and also. Uh, is it too early to say they got a quarterback? Is it premature? No,
0: I'm I'm okay. all in. I'm all Good. in.
1: Yeah, they drafted C.J. Stroud, and I would say he had an incredible game. And as you watch players, like I, you look for something unique to say about them. And the thing that I found in watching C.J. Stroud is his panic moments seem in control. And okay. you watch him, and he's like, you see this. I, I couldn't think of a better word other than hitchy. You know, like when something's not open and a quarterback doesn't have an immediate answer, they get like antsy and like hitchy. They're like hitching around. And you see that happen to C.J. Stroud. But he seems to find the right answer all the time. And it's not always just like I'll check it down. He like hitches around and finds a comeback on the opposite side of the field. That type of stuff as a rookie in your third game. <laughs> that's pretty impressive stuff. And I thought that their receiving core was not all that good coming into the season, but I it, yeah, it seems like they, they got something in, in tank Dell, two big plays, one for a touchdown. Uh, he's a quick kind of crisp route runner. And it seems like they have something in him. They they're building some Will Anderson blocked a, uh, a, a field goal. Good
0: too. Yeah. They
1: had a fullback return, a kickoff, for a touchdown, like, this was a great game against a good opponent. They got pressure. Their, their D-line got a ton of pressure. It was it was an impressive game, and it, it feels like it's a feel-good story for uh, this young team that no one expected much from.
0: There's things to like across the board. You listed a lot of them. Dell, in particular, looks, I mean, combined with Collins, too, and, like, Robert Woods, it's like, not only is that a, a very underrated You know, I didn't seem good coming into the season, but they all fit really well together. They're all really complementary together, um, which I think is certainly helpful for the quarterback. But it's about the quarterback for me, man. Like he looks great through the first three. And I I talked about this when they played the Ravens because he was under a lot of pressure. And I was really impressed by how he handled it Um, against Jacksonville. Again, backups across the offensive line. Pressured on 40 percent of dropbacks, sacked zero times under pressure had uh went 8 for 12 for 115 yards with a plus 6% cpoe he was excellent against the blitz and this was the, the the question i mean we knew he could make every throw nobody doubted that it was all over his tape at ohio state but like i i was very dubious can this guy come into the nfl and uh you know with the speed of play can he not only sustain that accuracy when he's under pressure, but can he make good decisions? Can he evade sacks? Can he create? He has done all of those things. It's not been perfect, obviously. Um, but... Being better every week. Every week he looks better to me. The thing that... I, I mean, I was looking through some of his stats. This is the one that really jumped out to me. So far this season, on third down... He is six in QBR, third in yards per dropback, so he's pushing the ball downfield, and he has the lowest off-target rate in the NFL on third down right now. To your point, like he doesn't—he just looks unruffled in the gotta-have-it situations, which is, oh, man, I I feel like. Th- three weeks is too early to say he's going to be a top five, 10 quarterback, but like in terms of qualities you want in a young guy for him to look that poised and confident and push the ball downfield like that in those situations is awesome.
1: What he's shown so far in a situation that no one thought was great. um, I think obviously we can't project forward to like hall of fame status, but you can look back at, look back at a bunch of other quarterbacks who are at that, position now and very few of them have had starts that are as um impressive and encouraging all things considered of the situation, the competition, the talent around them, the experience of the coaching staff, the history of the organization. Like there is there's not a whole lot that suggests that CJ Stroud should be doing as well as he's doing right now. And so yeah, it's a big win watching that and I'm happy they got to win because we tend not to pay attention to Yeah to unless to sir. things yeah unless they're winning so i'm happy that they got a win so that people can talk about it and, and recognize it but i'm sure texans fans i am sure that there are group chats or uh, have been on fire for a couple weeks now I'm and happy for them. yeah that's it's pretty cool i'm happy for him and yeah and they found tank Del- is he? i know he went to houston. Is he, houston is he from houston is a double hometown guy i don't
0: know, I don't know. yeah he, he uh I I was reading his bio because I was trying to, I mean, I I imagine I'm the first person to be like, why is this tiny human nicknamed Tank? And I can't remember if it said anything about where he Who said it's not
1: his real name? You don't know.
0: It's Nathaniel's real name. Nathaniel Uh, Tank. I liked him in the draft. I'm not taking a a victory lap here because I've got a lot of other stuff wrong. But um, you know what, Dominique? Maybe when I'm back in November, Texans will be in first place. In the AFC South.
1: He's from Daytona beach, Florida, or well, he was born in Daytona beach. Yeah. Florida, which I guess doesn't mean he's from there. Oh yeah. He went to high school. Isn't that, in that where
0: everybody beach. fast is from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's just-
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: You could have guessed that. I mean, he's, Bay he, Florida. he was a four, four, like a high four, four guy at the combine. I think if I remember correctly, he looks, he looks fast as hell on the field, which is different than running the 40, but like, uh, he doesn't like his numbers aren't super fast. Guess
0: where Zay Flowers is from.
1: Oh yeah. He from down there. I already know. <laughs> he's so from Fort I, I, I saw in the um I saw him giving giving people a business in preseason. I think I talked to you about it. He was giving people yeah. business in preseason. It was so impressive that I decided to look up his high school highlight tape. And that's when I discovered that he's from down there.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a fair guess. It's a fair guess.
0: You no, know, the weather's good all year round. Got a, <laughs> a lot of time to get your, get your speed up. Um, okay. Uh, we don't have any more time because we're done. Uh, Dominique, thank you, as always, for joining me. This is always so fun. I will be texting you a lot during the season. Uh, once again, guys, I will be back in November. So stay here, but also go check out Dominique's excellent podcast. Um, and yeah, uh, buddy.
1: Um, as as a contributor, but more importantly, as a fan, we love you. We're going to miss you. Um Take care of yourself. Be safe. Be healthy. Forget about us and focus on your family for a little while, and then come back and um, overcommit to your job like you always do.
0: <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll be watching the whole yeah. entire time. All right, buddy. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you again. Thank you to everybody. Uh, thank you to Kirsten Sobeki for producing this pod. On Sailor for joining us for on social today, and yeah, I'll be back uh, back in a bit. Bye.